everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Thurston County, Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the celebratory edition of Real Hawk Talk Post Game Show. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Uh, I will be joined here shortly by uh, Nathan Ernst, um, and he may be our our, uh, our only other today. Um, the other fellows are so overwhelmed with excitement that they uh, couldn't quite handle uh, couldn't quite handle post game festivities. So lots and lots and lots to talk about we will likely take a lot of questions from you guys so hopefully you guys are in chat hopefully you're having an awesome sunday afternoon after what was a man up and down and up and down and finally up victory for the seahawks there is no such thing as a bad victory in the nfl we hear that all the time there is absolutely no such thing as a bad victory on the road so I don't care how many mistakes you make, how ugly it looks. You went on the road. I don't care if you got a backup quarterback that comes in. I don't care if, you know, you fumbled it twice. I don't care if you got sacked a bunch in the first half. If you went on the road, especially in the second week of the season, it's a big deal. And just think about, think about the difference between the way this team started this year versus the way the team started last year. And we'll talk more about that. Um, as we do, I'm going to welcome aboard Nathan Ernst, who looks very professional in the polo right now. He may not be completely uh, hooked up yet, 
but uh, he's giving me the one second sign. He, unlike me, clearly has showered and changed for the day. Um, I am still wearing my pajamas uh, and I'm not afraid to say it. So uh, that is one of the glories of 10 a.m. starts. And I hope some of you are lounging around watching the show, uh, enjoying, enjoying this victory. Nathan, are you, uh, you all good? Not quite yet? All right. Yes? Okay now. I think I got it. We're good. Good, good. Man. Uh, wow. Yeah. Lot, a lot, a lot to react to in that game. Um, I am curious. There, there's a lot of ways to start. I just want to know your top of mind. What was your thoughts when you saw, saw that game, when you are watching that game? Um, I mean, my top of mind right now is they won. Um, I had them going 11 and five uh, when we did our predictions and this was one of the five losses. And so, um, I mean, there's still, you know, there, there's still opportunities for them to lose games that I thought they would win, um, but they're, they're two and oh, um, they beat a pretty good team. I, I think uh, on the road, uh, they scored a bunch of points. Like I, there's a lot of stuff to, to, you know, pick out here. Like, I'm a little concerned at how good they made Mason Rudolph look, but they won, and they won on the road, and they won a game that was kind of a toss-up. Yeah, I mean, the first place I've got to start with you is play calling. I mean, what were your thoughts on the play calling? So, um, I liked it uh, for the <laughs> most part, without having um, gone back and really like looked at it. Um, you know, you brought up last week passing differently, not just passing more, but passing differently. And it felt like they did that. Um, you know, one thing that has been interesting is that, you know, when I talk to people about, you know, how much they should pass, there's a, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a variety of opinions, but one of the ones that's kind of interesting is, is this kind of like a dichotomy between short passing and deep passing. And my thing has always been, you know, yeah, there are some of these play action plays where they like, they have literally just two routes on the field and they're both going deep, right? And those are clearly just shot plays. Um, but largely, that's not really how a passing game works. Like you generally have a little bit of everything on any given play. And, um, you know, I think we saw that a little bit where they were, you know, uh, especially later in the game. Um, I missed the first half, so I can't speak to that at all. Um, but they were hitting tight ends and they were hitting, you know, Tyler, uh, lock it pretty quick on stuff. And then you, boom, you get a big touchdown play to DK. Right. And so it's not that either or either or thing. Right. Um, what emphasis you put on it matters, you know, how much of that play action shot play stuff you call obviously matters the max protect stuff, but like you can do all of it. And it worked, it seemed to work really good. Like they, they put a bunch of points. They looked like they were moving the ball pretty effortlessly at times. So yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's most exciting to me is that, I mean, the way I kind of describe it is I feel like they prove there is another way that they can win. Like if, if they had just rolled out the same game plan on offense last week that they did that, you know, this week that they did last week where Pittsburgh clearly was getting home on, on pressure in the first half, that was the same thing was happening. Maybe not quite as bad, but pretty bad. And instead of just folding up shop and going to seven man lines with George Fant in there and running the ball up the middle on every handoff, they adjusted to short passes, swing passes, quick passes. And Russell Wilson was sitting there. And this is stuff that people say he can't do. 
personally, I've been critical of them. I've never said Russell's incapable of being able to sit in the pocket and find players that are open. It's just, they, they did that in 2015 in the second half of the year, but they seem to, for whatever reason, never call that kind of offense. And maybe Pittsburgh helped. Maybe they're playing a zone defense that made that possible. Um, who knows? But whatever the case was, they, they went to that type of offense, and Russell was like lights out today. I mean, 29 of 35 for 300 yards, and even though he was passing short, like you said, there were enough explosive plays. He was 8.6 yards per attempt. Like that is that is terrific efficiency. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 131 rating. I think through through two games, he's over 130 rating in both games. Like he is. You and I talked about this before the season. He looks like he's taken a step forward, like we thought he had. I don't have seen anything in the first two games that makes me feel differently about that. And so that's super exciting. And Nathan. The last time the Seahawks were 2-0 was 2013. The only time the Seahawks have been 2-0 during the Pete Carroll era was 2013. And if I'm correct in what I'm looking up here, the only other time before that, um, you know, since 2000 was 2004 and 2003. But like, uh, oh, sorry, 2006, the Seahawks started 2-0 as well. But it is, it is preciously rare for the Seahawks to start 2-0 in a season. Yeah, I mean, I think – I don't know that I feel a ton differently about them through this point. Um, but, you know, when we were going through talking – doing our predictions and everything, and, and you and Evan were talking about winning the division, um, that didn't quite feel realistic to me. It wasn't really something I thought was in the cards for them. Um, and it, it is now. Like, again, this was probably not a game they should have won. I mean, we'll see what the Steelers end up being. Um, they're 0-2 right now, which is bad news for them. Um, but they went on the road, they beat a team that has, you know, historically been pretty good. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can start to dream about, you know, a first round buy, right? I mean, really all you need to probably do is split with the Rams. If you can steal one, um, you're really, you know, you've got it all set up there for you, you do the right, the, the rest of it. Right. So, um, it's huge to be two and zero. um, nothing guaranteed at this point, but, uh, it's a great, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a great start. Well, and I mean, if you look at, uh, well, we'll get to their schedule here in a second, but I mean, you've got, we've talked about it even in the, in the prediction show, if the Seahawks could get some of these games early and if they are decent, if the Seahawks are, you know, we're a decent team, the, the, the schedule sets up reasonably well. A lot of the big contenders in the NFC are coming to Seattle, right? They've got the saints in Seattle next week. They've got the Rams in Seattle you know, on Thursday night football, they've got the, um, uh, well, they've got the Falcons in Atlanta. That's not necessarily a contender. Um, and they've got the Minnesota Vikings was the other one that's coming to Seattle. Right. So um, that's potentially a really big deal. Um, but <laughs> I, I always end up starting to want to talk about what didn't go right. And we'll definitely get there because my head's like, there's a few things I want to cover with you. Um, talk to me about two receivers. And we'll, we'll start talking about a couple others. Tyler Lockett catches 10 balls today in 12 targets for 79 yards, only 7.9 yards per catch. Um, DK Metcalf, three catches, 61 yards in seven targets uh, with a touchdown, 20.3 yards per catch. Talk to me about what your thoughts were about their roles today and what you thought of how the Seahawks used them. You know, ultimately, if – if Lockett ends up with something around an eight yards per average catch, 
uh, or yeah, whatever that's supposed to be. Um, that's gonna be a little bit of a bummer. Um, I, obviously, he's great at a lot of things. He's great at taking the top off of a defense, but um, you know, clearly they're not losing that with what they're getting on DK. Um, so I think Tyler definitely has that ability to be really good in that role. Um, he kind of showed it today, even if it wasn't you know necessarily the, the most efficient, the best way to go about it. Um, so yeah, those two are. Um, they, they're a pretty impressive duo. I mean, it's two games for DK, but we've seen him do a little bit of the short stuff. Um, we saw him caught a, catch a ball today short and, you know, look pretty tough to bring down. He tracked um, that dude. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Tyler can, you know, do pretty much whatever he wants in the football field, it seems like. He's not going to run through anybody, but other than that. Um, so it's really cool to see him, you know, using them like that. You know, using the DK, getting those big chunk plays out of him, being able to to do all kinds of stuff with Tyler all over the field. He still got a big chunk play last week. So um, yeah, it's, it's hopefully this isn't like the only thing, like I don't want him to end up with an eight yards per catch average, but uh, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I don't, I can't imagine that will be the case. And you know, it, it's just interesting. I think they're still trying to figure out I mean, he's clearly got, I mean, 12 targets. Um, that's more what we expected in terms of the amount of utilization for Tyler Lockett. And they might have overcorrected a little bit, just trying to f- figure out how to get him the ball. But I mean, uh, he dropped one today. It was uncharacteristic. That would have been nice. I mean, he, he really could have ended up with 11 catches and 12 targets. Uh, it was along the sideline. It was a little bit off of his hands. But um, he had two uh, drops, right? Both of his. Did he have two drops? I remember one. I want to say both of them were drops that he didn't catch. That's totally possible. Um, but you know, Metcalf. One of the questions. Okay, he had a good first game. Was he going to be? Is it, that going to be few and far between, or can he be an impact player each game? Like he came in again, and like you said last week in the pod, one of the things that encouraged you about him was you could see that corners looked intimidated, and I think we saw it again today. Like they they were showing back shoulder, throwing back shoulder fades, which by the way, like not a clean system yet at all. Russ was throwing a lot of those passes inside and they need to be outside so that he can make the play and not the corner. Um, and he obviously has some work to do there as well, but the dude, the dude like is a handful. I mean, I, I think it's hard to imagine that this is going to be like a rarity. It seems like, I don't think you can count on it yet, but it seems like uh, he's going to be a factor, but we got to We've got to take a little victory lap about Malik Turner. Don't we? I mean, I, I wish I could. I think he had all three catches in the first half, and I didn't see a single one. So. He had 53 catches, three targets, 54 yards, 18-yard average. Pretty Holy good. Turner, baby. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about John Ursua, who we're excited about. Everyone wants to talk about Gary Jennings, who I don't know how many people are excited about at this point. But Malik Turner, like, those were three. He had a really big play in the first half to, to help them get out of the end zone and pick up, like, maybe – what was it? I'm going to look up here. Yeah, 30 yards. I mean, it's a big play. Um, and it's, it's nice to see. And I, I do – it's not just a joke. I do believe Malik Turner can be a helpful part for this offense. I don't think he's a number one or number two, but I think he could be a number four. For sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty talented. And, yeah, he keeps kind of doing stuff like this. Not a, I think it's probably his biggest day for his career so far. But he's just always ready to kind of make a play, it seems like, between preseason and, and what we've seen in the regular season. So. Yeah, I'm excited to keep uh, to see him getting more opportunities. Um, what do we What do we think about Rashad Penny? 
I mean, if we're talking about Malik Turner, we got to talk about Rashad Penny or Evan would, would never forgive us. So Penny's touchdown was how long? Uh, it was 37 yards. Okay. So that means that it would be nine yard, nine carries for like 25 yards, which less good, but that's always a trap. You don't want to do that. I mean, you got to go through and take everybody's best carry out. He had, I mean, that, that cut was beautiful, right? Um, uh, a lot of that opened up for him after the cut, but he made the cut. He got loose. Um, Russ was downfield. And like a lot of times people give him credit for lead blocking. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, he was out there. Sure. Like, no, this one, he actually, he really helped on this one. So um, Penny, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's kind of the typical Penny thing, but we got the big play out of him. And so hard to complain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been as outspoken about saying I have not seen special things from him and, and I don't regret any of those comments. I, I, I call exactly what I'm seeing on the field. And I've always said, I'd love for him to show me, like prove me wrong or prove us wrong in terms of, of what he's capable of. That was a special cut. I mean, it was, that was headed for maybe no gain on a key play. And um, he, he put his foot in the ground not every running back can make that play or has the vision or, or the physical ability. And then he, he was gone when he's in space, he's shown some breakaway ability. He has shown that in past years, uh, you know, in past, past games. So I'm not like, you know, my opinion of Rashad Penny is not 180 degrees different than it was before that play, but I'm really happy to see it. I'm really happy to know that he's capable of impacting the game in a positive way. And it wasn't just that carry to me. It was, three or four or five other carries where he was taking the ball, decisively hitting the hole, taking two or three yards or five yards instead of like waiting at the line of scrimmage, looking for a hole to open up and getting zero yards. So I thought he ran tough today and I have really nothing but good things to say about his game. I do think he ran tough today. Um, later on in the game, he had one where he put his foot in the ground, ground cut up cut right into somebody, but knocked the dude back a yard or two. One yeah. of those where it would have been a, a probably a, a no game. You ended up getting about two yards out of it. Um, so that was nice. I, I will go ahead and just make everybody mad. I don't think that cut was special. I don't think that's a cut that, that most running backs can't make. I really don't. But like the, but the bottom line is you got to do it, right? I mean, he made the play. So whether somebody else could have or couldn't have, like he was there, he got the chance and he did it. Robert and, Turbin does not make that cut. Robert Turbin, no, because I think they touched Penny's ankle, so Turbin would have gone down. But uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I do think a lot of running backs make that cut. I think Chris Carson makes that cut. Um, mm. But I'm a huge Carson fan. I don't think that's his game. I, I don't think I don't think cutbacks are Chris Carson's game. But I hear you. I mean, I disagree. But but uh, I, I know where you're coming. Is you got to make the like he made the play. Right, regardless of how many other running backs have made the play, he had to make the play. He made the play, scored a big touchdown. It's all good. All right. So another big story in this game, Pete Carroll. I mean, we gotta talk about Pete Carroll. So uh what did you think? There's three plays in particular that come to mind. If you have others, let me know. The throwing the 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 flag, the challenge flag on the first PI against Michael Kendricks, throwing the flag on the second PI against for Tyler Lockett. And then the decision to go for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal at the end of the game. So talk to me and be as honest as you can about where you were about each, each call before they happened and what you wanted to see happen. 
So I completely missed the first one. So I can't, I can't speak to that at all. And then unfortunately I was getting mauled by kids on the second one, but all the replays I saw of the actual PI, I don't know about the actual PI. Yeah. Um, and so that, I'm going to give Pete a lot of credit though and say that he knew that the rest would see the helmet the helmet hit and, and maybe give him a makeup call. Like if that, honestly, if that's a thought process and he's just like, mm, I think maybe we got a ticky tack thing that we, that they can go with. And clearly they just blew that helmet to helmet and they, they got to make that right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, I think he probably had a little lucky on that one. I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he's going to get that every time, but. Um, you really think that that's what happened there? Like, I mean. I, 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 I am surprised that they what the one with um flowers where they didn't overturn it because like you know i guess i i, I don't know by the rule it was and, and maybe the tyler one by the rule was too but like they came out and said that he materially affected the play and i just don't know that i believe that's true at all so i i suspect that yeah i, I if it came out uh that that was the case i wouldn't be surprised at all um and then going forward on fourth down um I'm a little bit of two minds on that one because if you're going to be, you know, chicken on your second and 18 play and just run the ball, um, you know, maybe, maybe if you had actually tried on that play, you Russ would have picked up the first down on the next one. Um, but if you are going to play conservatively and you're going to try to do this kind of three yards in a cloud of dust, or you're okay with three yards in a cloud of dust, then you need to be willing to go for it in those situations. And so uh, I like the call. Um, I don't know what the numbers say. There's before the before, sorry to interrupt before the before the call was made. Were you expecting them to go for a field goal or? Oh yeah, field goal for sure. Yeah, I was shocked when I heard that they were lining up. So yeah, that was surprising. So I, that was definitely it. Definitely felt like it was against the trend for him. I don't know what the numbers actually say there. I assume they say go for it, but I don't know. Uh, it only being a two point game makes that a little risky. Uh, but I was glad that they did it. I was glad that they they were aggressive there. Yeah, I mean that was that was the big balls, Pete. Kind of you know that he's always talked about, and so that it was very much in line with his personality in that regard. And I think the idea that they could they, with one play they could potentially essentially just win the game. Um, you know, the thing with, oh, I was gonna say the thing with big balls, Pete, is he talks about it. People call him that. Like he's got that swagger. He doesn't coach that way. He is one of the most conservative uh, play callers when it comes to fourth down and stuff like that. So he has that reputation somehow, but it's not actually true. So this really did go against the trend. Like that was that was significant. Just if you're looking at how he's made decisions previously. Yeah, I I mean, I I was I was going to be okay with either decision. I mean, I, I I was, you know, my son and I were talking about it. I put out a poll beforehand just to see where people were. Majority of people were, were definitely say go for it. And that's kind of fans, you know, generally are, are going to be aggressive that way. Um, and then kill you if you don't get it. But uh, look, you know, like you said, fourth down, one yard to win the game. And if you're going to be a physical team and you can't do that, then like, why, why are you, why are you creating that persona in the first place? So it was nice to see. I was glad to see Chris Carson get that play at the end. I don't know about you, Nathan. I was not sure that play was going to end in a first down when the ball was handed off. I thought that was going to be behind the line of scrimmage. And then well, I, to me, it looked pretty good all the way. Uh, 
I'm, I'm happy for your heart. My heart was you like, gotta, you got to catch Chris pretty far in the backfield on those. Like Carson converts those short yardage. He's I've never actually gone and looked at it. I think, or maybe I did and he wasn't actually that special at it, but it just feels like he gets those a lot. Yeah, it was, I mean, last year that was their thing. They were, um, they were the best team in the NFL on third and fourth and short. Like mm-hmm. they were the best team in the NFL, those plays. They did not do so well on those, you know, this game. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's, they had, I mean, Chris Carson almost had no negative runs last year and he had his fair share today. Um, I will say on this pass interference penalties, one, I thought they both were really bad challenges on first glance. I thought the, I'll be interested when you get a chance to see it. The first one, um, I'd be curious what the explanation is from the officials. It, I thought it was a totally reasonable call that they called defensive PI. And then in slow motion, it's clear that the receiver initiates the contact with the defensive player full on on his chest. And even on the second replay, it almost looked like he was the only one that really initiated, like created the contact. So I was a little bit surprised after seeing that more that there, you know, that it wasn't overturned. Um, I wasn't shocked, but, but at least I understood what Pete might've thought. Um, and it was a pretty big play. Michael Kendricks should have never been in that situation. Like it was a throw that was never going to be completed. And um, that was, I mean, I thought Kendricks had a pretty uneven game. Um, but then uh, the one to lock it, I was super surprised. That was, uh, if I'm a Steelers fan, I am livid about that call. It's kind of a hail, it wasn't a hail Mary, but it's kind of that situation, right? Where it was just third and long and Russ is just like, well, I got to do something, right? And they and then to give it to him, uh, which they typically don't do. Which is again, maybe it wasn't just the PI that they looked at. Yeah, you. I don't. It's hard for me to believe that they actually like. You know, it was bad though. It wasn't. It just, was really bad. It was awful. Like it wasn't just like something stupid in the backfield. Like I mean, he got crunched, and that dude. I think if the refs catch that, they probably eject him, right? For that hit, maybe. Maybe that's a fair point. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and you know, I don't know how that they don't watch it. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, how do you not watch the quarterback, you know, with the guy bearing down on him? It's kind of your job, but, um, <laughs> anyway, I thought Pete had an interesting day and at the end of the, I thought those were three absolutely crucial decisions by the head coach and he came out on the positive side of two of those three. And if he hadn't, I don't know if the Seahawks win this game. So, I mean, I don't think you give Pete credit for the win, but I think that those were pretty pivotal moments um, in the game. And uh, each one of them either led to a touchdown or led to, you know, the end of the game. So yeah, um, I think the DK touchdown was the very next play, right? After right. The- if not the next play, it was soon after. Yeah, it was very close. Yeah. Yeah, it was big. Um, all right. So let's talk about things that maybe didn't go as well. Cause there's a lot of those as well. Um, you go first, what comes to mind of like, all right. Uh, I was a little concerned about blank. Um, well, I guess they're kind of related. Um, Mason Rudolph looked pretty good. Um, that wasn't great. I mean, he had, he was 12 of 19 for 112 yards and two touchdowns. He threw a pick, but that was because Moncrief um, 
lost his hands and can't catch footballs anymore, apparently. Uh, so he kind of lit him up in, like, in situations that mattered. I mean, Seattle had a little bit of a lead, but you would think that they wouldn't uh, want <laughs> – you'd think that they would have hoped this game wouldn't have been so close, um, allowing Pittsburgh to score 13 points in the fourth quarter um, to their with their backup quarterback. So that was concerning. And then I think a part of that was uh, the pass rush – didn't look super great um and i think that they were a little lucky again that they were playing a backup because there were plays where rudolph just had ages and like would you know just check down there was one where he dumped off to the running back and it actually went for a loss and um you know he had all day to do whatever he wanted back there so uh i'm far from sold on this defense yeah i mean on one hand you gotta look at it and say chris carson two fumbles, uh, you know, um, led to 14 points. Um, the Seals offense was doing nothing. They had 100 yards at halftime. Uh, you know, this could easily have been a, a very comfortable victory uh, if, if, you know, the offense had not been turning the ball over like that. Um, at the same time, I agree with you on the pressure. Like the pass pressure started out actually really good. I thought they were around Ben Roethlisberger on almost every play. They weren't sacking him on every play, but they were like making him move. He was having to double clutch. He wasn't comfortable in the pocket. And then it just got really, really slow. Like he, whoever was back there was having time. And look, I was like super happy to see Mason Rudolph in there. He looked scared like to death in the first series and he had this cocky smile and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to see that rocked off his face. But um, if I'm being honest, like, look, none of us really know Mason Rudolph or some people probably do. I don't know Mason Rudolph. I thought he made good throws, you know, for the most part, he, you know, he, he was finding the open guy and he was making throws that were mostly on target. Um, and he got helped by his receivers making some great catches. I mean, that guy, I think is Deontay, Johnson that one catch he made on third down and eight that was a poorly thrown ball and he was falling down I don't think he'll ever make that catch again but that was a huge play in this game otherwise I think it's not close um Juju Smith-Schuster had a big catch on that flea flicker and by the way Lano Hill bit um so that was you know a notable play um you know Tedrick Thompson is not the only guy that's going to make mistakes back there I don't know about you. I didn't see a lot of other plays where I was seeing Lano Hill do anything positive or negative. Um, he had that, obviously, the, the quote, interception on the two-point play. But um, otherwise, I, I didn't have much of an opinion on how he played. Did you see anything otherwise? I didn't notice much. Yeah. I mean, outside the pick, but yeah. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Mason – looked pretty good. Um, Rudolph did. Uh, he, I mean, he made some nice throws. Um, he definitely like the, the screen, the touchdown, right. Where he, uh, actually did get pressured a little bit and he looked pretty calm, collected, side-armed it, you know, got it to the tight end. That wasn't an easy play for him. Um, but you know, we just saw them make, you know, Andy Dalton look real good and Andy Dalton look, didn't look as good this week. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned. Like, okay, so they play the Bengals close, and then the Bengals go on to lose 41 to 17. Uh, and then, you know, they just played Pittsburgh close. This one was on the road, at least, but this is Pittsburgh coming off a 
30 to three or 33 to three loss or whatever it is. So they're two and oh, it's good. They won on the road. They, they, you know, they're taking care of business and all that, but like some of the, uh, if you're, yeah, some of the other signs here are a little, a little concerning. I, I think that that's, I, I think that's a totally reasonable set of questions to ask. And if you're not asking those questions, then you're like, you know, putting your blinders on as a Seahawks fan. I would also say that there's the potential. We don't know, but that 49ers defense was one of the top rated, if not the top rated defense in week one, um, you know, by a lot of uh, metrics. Um, I think that that 49ers defense is really good. Um, and, you know, I've talked about it, the group, the guys and I've talked about, it, I, I think the 49ers are better than people realize. And I think they're going to be a tough team that this year, that defensive line is monstrous. And I think they're, their cornerbacks are pretty darn good. So we'll see if that's part of that story. Um, I also think that there's a huge disadvantage playing the Bengals in week one with a new coach and not knowing at all what to expect. And I think the Seahawks played a really weird defense that I don't think that we'll ever see them play again, um, trying to figure out what was going to happen there. Um, so that was part of it. I, I, I think that you know, the Seahawks defense was missing, is missing Ziggy Ansah, Jaron Reed, and Puna Ford. They went on the road and they won in Pittsburgh. And they were playing Big Ben in the first half and it was before he got injured and they were shutting him down. Like they were not getting anywhere. So, I mean, I did not see a lot of, like the receivers were not making a lot of plays for the, the Steelers, especially early in that game. Um, I thought coverage looked decent. Um, so, you know, I, I think either could be true. We do not have a large enough sample size of data yet to, to really know how good this team is. I mean, ultimately, the thing that matters is that you're 2-0, right? You can transitive property in it all day long, but you, know, you are what your record is. Um, what, what happened to uh, Roethlisberger? I, I heard that it wasn't really clear. There was no clear injury of when it happened. It, the, by the way, he was like flexing his throwing arm. It looked like maybe a strain. Like I would say with him going, what was he like eight of fifteen or something like that to start? I wonder yeah. if he had, he he went into that game not fully healthy. Um, it's possible. I mean, I think um, he also is historically like known for faking injuries or like over dramatizing injuries. So for the while, I was just assuming when he does that though. What's he's that? famous for that, but when he does it, and he does it a lot, he doesn't. He doesn't actually come out of the game. He doesn't. Or right, like, that's what I was saying. I, I expected it to be another one of those situations, yeah. so I was pretty surprised that he didn't come back. Um, yeah. And yeah, we will see. I, I think they seem to have some reason to feel confident in Mason Rudolph. That might have played a, a role, but we'll see. A stat that just came out. I don't know if uh, I just retweeted it, Nathan, but uh, worth covering here. Next gen stats from the NFL says Russell Wilson's average time to throw was 1.89 seconds in this game. The quickest time to throw in a game by any quarterback since 2016, minimum 20 attempts. I was told he's too short to throw fast. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who had the third longest time to throw last year um, over three seconds. So, you know, that's a huge, I mean, that, that is, that is a huge, huge issue for defenses. Even if that's not core to their offense, they put it on tape today. Teams are going to have to know that that's something that they're capable of. And guess what that's going to do. That opens up double moves that opens up more play action passes and other things because they do have to potentially respect those plays. And I think a lot of folks would have said that's exactly the kind of game this team was not going to be able to play without Doug Baldwin. 
right? Like that was Doug Baldwin's game. Timing. He rarely played it with Doug Baldwin. <laughs> right. But like, like 2015 was a Doug Baldwin's the second half. That was the Doug Baldwin second half primarily. And he just went off because they were doing that. And so it's interesting. It's, it's definitely interesting. 1.89 seconds to throw. Guess what? The, the uh, Steelers had zero sacks in the second half. Um, and they only ended up with six quarterback hits on the day, which the offensive line went out of the way to make up for it, though, by getting a couple holding penalties just for. <laughs> Can we talk about Jermaine Effetti? Well, hold up one sec on the last thing on the because I still want to write the post, but I will throw out. Um, we talked about this in the, the group chat that uh, looking at Russell's time to throw in week one, um, it was or it was the percent of his passes that were thrown within um, two and a half seconds. Um, he was like. 34th of 38 QB qualifying QBs last year in time to throw. Um, and his, uh, you know, his percent within two and a half seconds was pretty low. Um, but last week it was significantly higher. And if you, if he had kind of held that, um, that rate, if his time to throw stayed the same, it would have ranked 11th best last year. So um, even last week, there were kind of hints of this, um, even if the game was overall pretty frustrating. Um, uh, but yeah, so now, now we've got another week under our belt, another, uh, you know, two is still a pretty small sample, but we're, we're getting bigger. Um, and it's going down, it's going in, in the further in that direction of getting the ball out quickly. So, uh, yeah, th- this, this isn't just a one week thing. I don't expect him to get the ball out under two seconds, um, on average the rest of the year, but like, they're clearly doing something different this year. Um, so before I go, there's some breaking news I'll cover, uh, non-specifically Seahawks related, but uh, I want to guess from you. You know, you heard from Pete Carroll that he said one of these years, Russell Wilson is going to complete 70% of his passes. What would you guess through two games his completion rate is? Uh, 70%? 78%. Woo! Pretty good. That's pretty darn good. So... Um, Breaking news, uh, Drew Brees leaves the game against the Rams with an apparent hand injury and is questionable to return. Teddy Bridgewater is in the game. Uh, That is a bummer. Um, Obviously, that is going to help Seattle's chances if he doesn't play next week, but um, I really hope he's healthy. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would really, really like to see Drew Brees come in, like talk about a great test for the, the defense and for the team overall. Yeah, um, I'm not cheering for Drew Brees to be hurt, but that's that's big news. I mean, not just for today's game, potentially for next week's game and for the NFC playoff picture. I mean, if if the Saints aren't the favorite in the NFC, they're certainly one of the top couple. So um, uh, definitely something to watch. So just uh, through like one and a half weeks so far, I mean, two, two weeks for the Seahawks, I would say, but like who are the NFC favorites right now? Well, you know the Rams. your own question. Who, who comes to mind for you? Uh, I mean, the Rams and the Saints, obviously, we'll see what's going on with um, Drew Brees and how healthy he is. Um, Cowboys, the, uh, they murdered somebody again this week, didn't they? Um, okay, they beat the Redskins by 10, scored, uh, scored 31 points. So, yeah, Cowboys are up there for me right now. Um, but I guess, oh, geez, the Packers are 2-0. I guess that's something, but they don't look Packers have got to be on that list. Do they? I don't know. I think they do because I think, I mean – because the defense has actually shown up, you know, two weeks in a row. Um, it's not because Aaron Rodgers is great. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers 
has definitely taken a step back, but um, Aaron Rodgers with a really good defense makes them a contender. Um, I wouldn't put them in the favorites conversation, though. I would take Green Bay over Dallas right now. I don't want to get, I know, I mean, the Cowboys get just super overhyped, but uh, yep. <laughs> what they, what Helen Moore is doing looks really interesting. Um, and that defense is legit talented. So I think for me, it's, it's the Rams, it's the Saints, you know, obviously barring uh, any kind of long-term injury to breeze and then the Cowboys. And then I think my point was going to be that, like, I think the Seahawks are like right there, right? Like they're, they're that next tier behind. And, and we'll see that as the season goes on, if they can kind of jump up into that top tier, but yeah, then I think I'd have like the Seahawks and maybe the Packers, but to me, yeah. Anyways. I think you got to throw the 49ers in that mix. Any team that goes on the road and wins by, you know, two or three touchdowns. I mean, I don't care if that's a really bad team you're playing. Like that's, they played two impressive games to start the year. And and so they, they've got to at least be on the watch list. Yeah. And we'll see about the Eagles too. So I guess there's still some competition. Eagles, yeah. That was not, one. not a juggernaut though conference this year. I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, of all those teams, is there a team that you feel like, which team do you think would have the best chance to come into CenturyLink field in the playoffs and win a game? Cause realistically, if the Seahawks don't have home field advantage, you know, I don't think any of us feel great about their chances of going that far anyway. So let's assume that they have home field advantage. I feel like I should say the saints, but they've just played them well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a different version of the saints. Um, and so we'll see if that holds true, but uh, to me, it's still the Rams. I mean, un- until they beat them, right? I mean, it's kind of hard. You kind of got to give them the credit there. So to me, it's the Rams. I, I wouldn't feel good about them against the Saints. I-, I picked them to lose against the Saints at home next week. So we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, I mean, that's really it. Like there are two teams where I feel like you kind of, where I'm more than 60%, you know, uh, you know, in favor of that team to beat Seattle. And then everybody else is kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, Seattle at least has a, a good shot at him. Yeah. Other news coming out now of the Rams Saints game. Aaron Donald is on the sideline being looked at by trainers, lower back injury. That's no good. Yeah. So a lot going on there. Um, so we can, we can uh, cover a couple more things here and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, I can't believe they won. I'm just so happy that they won, dude. It's like, are you, are you worried at all about the fumbles? At all? Of course. Of course. Like Chris Carson had a fumbling problem in college um, and then made some changes and didn't fumble the ball again after that. He did have, I think, a fumble. He had what appeared to be somewhat of a fumble problem either last year or his first year, um, but then seemed to correct it. And the first two fumbles that he had this season, last game, and then the first one of this, those were on him. Those are absolutely like the last one, it was a little hard for me to see from the different camera angles if he ever actually got the ball. Like, the, Nick Vanette sucks at blocking, and, I mean, it's just awful. And and the defender was right there. So, even then, you know, he no matter what, Carson bears some of the responsibility, but it's hard for me to put that one completely on him. Um, so, yeah, it's an issue. It's an issue. I mean, how worried about it are you? moderately like they don't play they typically don't play in a way that gives them a lot of tolerance on those kind of things 
Um, and so, True. you know, that, that could be one that I, I think that they got away with one. I mean, both weeks, really, you can kind of say they got away with it. Like, though they're, you know, they've, they've now won by a combined four points, five points. So to do that with your running back, giving up the ball five times, um, seems a little lucky. Um, but also maybe, um, you know, you can say it's probably not going to keep up. He's probably not going to have um, 32 fumbles this year or whatever that works out to. And so maybe some of these margins of victory will get a little bigger. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's the perfect uh, microcosm of, of uh, your worldview and my worldview uh, and how we see these things differently. I look at last week's game as bad poorly as they played. And you've got Tedrick Thompson looking like a dumbass and uh, a running into the kicker on Cody Barton that were 10 points without that, you know, even as badly as they play, they win by double digits. And that's not even including the, I mean, the fumble by Carson, I don't think resulted in any points in that game. Um, but it is a cost of a possession that, you know, um, that obviously was a, something they had to overcome. Then they had fumbles today. They had sacks they were giving up today, sacks they were giving up last week. You had, uh, you know, really bad penalties, holding penalties, defensive passing, like brutal, like a lot of things that, it's rare to win on the road regardless. Mm -hmm. And then to have all that go against you and still win, you could just as easily make What's that? Just goes to show how bad the Steelers are. It could. It could be that. (laughs) It also could be that the Seahawks, like, we haven't seen their best yet. And, I mean, Nathan, when you think about this defense, I know you have questions about it. How much of a difference do you expect – once Ziggy Ansah, Puna Ford, and Jaron Reed are there. Like, I know that's a while. We might never see all those guys healthy. Who knows? But if they are, how much do you think that that changes that defense? I mean, that's obviously huge, right? Like, uh, Reed in the middle, able to get pressure, the pressure you can get from Ansah, right? Like, they probably don't look as bad as they did at times rushing the passer today if they have those guys healthy, obviously. Um, my the only thing that really, you know, is, I mean, a question for me is just, are they, like you said, are they going to actually have all those guys on the field healthy at any point this year? And that, that might not happen, but yeah, if they get that um, and if they can get that at the right time, right into the year playoffs, then obviously that goes a long ways to helping this defense out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I thought that we saw some of the effects of not having Puna Ford in today in the second half with the runs up the middle. I think Brian Monet and uh, Quentin Jefferson, he is like, he's like a rush defensive tackle. Um, he's not a guy that's meant to be in there for that many snaps and Al Woods, you know, so I, I thought that was, that would have been different to me. I think there would have been fewer of those runs up the middle in the second half if they had a reasonable rotation at defensive tackle um, pass rush wise. I don't know. Like, God, it seems like we will see Ziggy Ansah next week. That's the freaking word. Um, of course, we were told that they're counting on him for week one, and I can't imagine what would keep him from not playing week one and all these other Pete Carrollisms that ended he's up being totally well, healthy. But he's actually, active. I thought he had week three. Like, <laughs> uh, that pissed me off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, look, we don't know what we don't know, but 2 and 0 with a game on the road in Pittsburgh, they've never scored a point in the stadium before, right? Like, no, they have. It's just been a really long time. No, they had never scored a point in Heinz Field. They, they scored in – yeah, they played oh. two games. 
they had, they've been shut out both times by a score of 45 to zero. Um, so, you know, they put up 28 points on the road and uh, with all of those problems and look, Jermaine Effetti, dude. Yeah, he is not he he is not carrying the momentum forward from last year. Yeah, I mean, you were kind of on the bandwagon a little bit. Am I remembering right that he was maybe like a better player? I know Ben Baldwin's been really banging that drum. Yeah, yeah, Ben's been all over it. Not looking great for Ben right now. <laughs> I I thought that he did look improved, and there were definitely things you could point to to say he I was. I did too. I did too. Uh, I looked at that. But anyone who knows me for a variety of reasons would have guessed that I was cautiously optimistic about a fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I was not on the bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, dude. Um, all right. Well, um, the only thing, other thing I'll say is, uh, you know, I was really happy to see them give CJ Procise an opportunity in the two minute drill. Didn't end up being a massive part of the game. I thought he looked good. I'm just glad to know that they're going to give him that role. And he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, he he looked fine. I felt like the play calling at the end of the half there was really questionable and uh, really blew what should have been a sure fire, um, you know, set of points. Of course, if Evan was here, I'd ask him, like, I'm pretty sure Jason Myers, like, one of the reasons he's here is to hit those 58-yard field goals. And I thought that was going to go in. So it didn't. Um, and I will tell everybody, my boss at work was, like, asking me about Jason Myers. And I gave him, like, the... I actually gave him my vote of confidence. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a he's got a big leg. The Seahawks field goals all the time. He'll be a great pickup. So I'm not taking heat from my boss. <laughs> uh, so I am, like, officially on the Jason Myers watch. I want that guy to start hitting his field goals for a variety of reasons. Well, don't, don't tell anybody, but I had the same idea and also have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> what does Pete Love like that. more than laying up for a long field goal at the end of the half and the end of the yeah. game? So. yeah. Oh, man. All right, dude. Anything else? Closing thoughts before we wrap it up? No. I mean, they're 2-0. That's awesome. Man. uh, I was telling my wife last night, or maybe even this morning, I was like, you know, it used to be that when the Seahawks lost, I just had, like, I was just – my week was ruined. I just literally couldn't – I was just so bummed the whole time, and it was a whole week till they played again. And I've gotten a lot better. Like, I used to be like, they lost. You could not talk to me the rest of the day. I was – very immature about it uh it's just who i was and i've gotten a lot better but now still even when they lose and i, I expected that i'll be honest i expected them to lose today we all on the show predicted them to lose yep and 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 when they lose it's just like oh man you know like the whole week just feels a little bit less you know good and and then but then when they win it's like feels like you got a little extra pep in your step and so the difference between like my general mood for the rest of the week is such a big change no matter and I can't change it anymore I've done as much as I can this is as as mature as I'm going to get about it and uh dude it's going to be a nice week I'm going to enjoy this exact opposite this is going to make me so stressed out all week long (laughs) really it'll be fine but now they're 2-0 now it's like well shit now they really now they need to win and like oh I'll have knots in my stomach all week because they're well you got to feel good at least about your bet with DK Metcalf I mean like oh yeah looking like you got nachos is pretty well sewn up uh nachos and margaritas like he was seven targets today second on the team I I don't see anybody challenging him among the wide receivers for number two in targets okay so uh, I think you made a, a big mistake here I would not have taken that bet if you just said like on the team right 
like, but you, you limited it to receivers, which I think was pretty, a pretty fatal mistake. Who do you think it's, where do you think he's actually going to end up on relative to the entire team, including tight ends, running backs, George fan with what we know now, I think he probably will still end up second. Well, I think he's probably he's at least third right now with Carson, right? Carson still. No, I don't think so. Carson had like eight targets last week, and yeah, but DK had six. Carson had three today. DK had seven. Um, DK only had three catches. I don't know how many targets Carson got. Seven. Oh, he did. Seven targets for Metcalf. Three targets for Carson. Okay, so now he's probably okay. So, no, yeah, okay, I, he might still. Disley got five catches. I don't know how many targets he had. He had five targets. I mean, that was a I, we, that was one other thing we didn't talk about. I mean, the tight ends today in terms of the – other than Vanette blocking, which is a disaster, Disley was a big factor in this game. You got to you gotta at least say something nice about Nick Vanette. There's one easy, nice thing to say about him. That was a hell he of a catch. that ball. Yeah, that was a hell of a catch. It was a hell of a catch. He took a big hit. Disley had two touchdowns. We haven't even mentioned him, dude. Yeah. I mean <laughs> – I mean – he doesn't even have to be great and as much as i really did like watching george fant play the difference between fant and disley as a receiving threat is like can catch the ball in offensive linemen who yeah it's so big (laughs) it's a huge difference i mean it's like it's just a huge difference i mean disley is is a i think an underappreciated key part of of this team and just gives them a little bit more optionality in how they run their offense and the dude is reliable and tough and like, man, he had some big catches today. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how we got on this, but yes, I, I do. I, I think Metcalf is a safe bet for number two on receiving targets. And uh, I think we should maybe have that discussion about whether we need a secondary bet here about whether he will be second in overall targets, because Maybe I'll go the opposite direction, and I'll be the one that will say that he will be second in overall targets to try to get some uh, some nachos back my way. I don't know. I'm not quite ready to go there for the entire team. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the idea. So, um, all right, dude, this was uh, this is great, and uh, have a great rest of your weekend. And uh, as always, go Hawks.